welcome to the Academy of General Dentistry podcast series featuring Dr. George Schmidt. Each episode features experts in the field of dentistry who share insights and inspiration to help you succeed. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We've got a fantastic show for you today as I welcome my good friend, Dr. Russ Bergman. Hey, Russ, how are you? George, hi. It's nice seeing you or and hearing you. And uh, it's been a long time since we spoke, and I'm glad we're able to do this. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next 30 minutes or so as we as we talk a little bit about GPRs and their importance for the for the uh, for the students. But before we do that, I just want to go over your bio here. Uh, Dr. Russ Bergman is the vice chair of the Department of Dentistry and GPR program director at Newark Beth Israel Medical Center. In this role, he is responsible for the clinical, educational, and financial performance of the Department of Dentistry. Dr. Bergman has spent his career building strong relationships with attending dentists and residents to create well-respected, highly regarded educational and clinical programs. Currently at Newark Beth in New Jersey and previously at Lehigh Valley Health Network in Pennsylvania. Dr. Bergman practiced general dentistry in Essex County, New Jersey for over 15 years, and he's a graduate of Uhlenberg College, the UPenn School of Dental Medicine, and the Dental Residency Program at Newark Beth Israel Medical Center. Dr. Bergman is on the board of directors of IDEA, representing the Council on Advanced Dental Education Programs, and among other career awards and distinctions, he's a fellow in the Academy of General Dentistry and recently inducted into the American College of Dentists. Well, congratulations on that, Russ. That's pretty impressive, and there's some pretty good awards there you have. Yeah, and you. Uh, as I mentioned, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I want to talk to you, Russ, a little bit about uh, about GPRs and, and their importance. And, you know, should uh, our dental students or should dental students, uh, you know, look towards this or, you know, how important is it? And, you know, one of the things that we all know is that uh, dental students now are under significant financial pressures. Student loans are just, you know, exorbitant. There, there's a lot of debt and things like that. There's a lot of worry. And understandably, there's a lot of concern. And uh, with that comes a little uh, financial pressure or possibly um, incentives to perhaps go out and you know join a dental service organization, some of the big groups out there, and and uh, while certainly they have a wonderful role in dentistry, and they they have their place, um, you know, I'd like to talk with you, Russ, about uh, is it important to do a GPR for before you do that, or or is that something that these students should look forward? What do you, what do you think about that, Russ? Well, from my point of view, the decision to go or not to go to a postgraduate general dentistry program is as important, if not more important, than the decision of where they went to, to dental school. Uh, it changed my life. Um, story of me is that uh, I went to, as you said in the bio, to the University of Pennsylvania. I was, um, well, to exaggerate, I was an average student. I don't think I was even quite there. And uh, I went and I did a GPR at Nork Beth. And uh, that is where I began to become a dentist, where to put things together, how to critically think. It um, Look, when I was in school, um, no different than my residents throughout the years, I was looking for uh, um, credits. I was looking for procedures just to do, check, checking them off the box. And uh, for, in my story, I, uh, I, I forgot the, the learning part. It came just about doing the procedure. And um, 
as my residents come in, I love to see their growth from one day to another. And their stories are like mine in the end. They are success stories. Whether or not it's, you know, my, my resident. And by the way, my stories of my residents are no different than the stories of other postgrad general dentistry program directors. But, you know, my stories of my residents, the one that comes in um, and loves to go into ortho, decided to do a GPR, gets into ortho, and the success story is now multiple ortho practices doing great. The one that comes in and was not the greatest student, and the one that we saw in interview had the greatest potential, and they flower, and now they have a practice which anyone would be envious of. Whether or not it's the person that came in and found themselves and decided to do pedo, and now a very successful pediatric dentist. So the decision and the maturity that happens during a GPR where the year is devoted to learning, you're there to learn. Everyone is there to teach you. It's really an area and time that can't be, I guess, duplicated anyway, because it is about learning. It's not a, there is no pressure per se about you have to make a certain goal per day. Um, I really, as my residents come in, um, I really wonder what it would be like for the uh, friends who went right into practice. I know that I could not, I know I really could not, um, but I really worry about those uh, those kids, the, those dental students go right into um, some type of practice and are sometimes forced into do procedures they may not be comfortable with and maybe have done little to none in dental school um, or to produce in a way that they're not used to. That pressure, I would never, it's not worth any amount of money because I know that the idea of any postgraduate general dentistry program is to make you a success. And with that success will come the money in the long run. You're being paid to learn. You know, what's better than that? You know, you make a couple of really good points, Russ. And I've seen this personally myself because, of course, as you know, I, I was uh, uh, a faculty at, at, the, um, at the hospital for a little while there. Um, you know, you see exponential growth in these students or these residents as they come in. Even the ones that when they get out of dental school think they're so highly qualified. You can see how they how they mature over that just that one year, you know, in the GPR residency. But the other thing you you know you mentioned, I think, and I'd like to talk to you about this. Sometimes there's a disconnect, I think, between expectations and reality. So a lot of times for the DSO, they'll say, well, you know, you can make X amount of dollars, and and, and folks get really excited about that. But that's only if you know how to do those procedures. That's only if you have the clinical skill. That's only if you have the hand speed to do that. And I'm sure that you would agree that, you know, uh, GPR residency is, is the place to get all that. Well, you know, like I said, uh, postgrad general dentistry, um, their job is to make you a success. And it, for me to become a success, uh, I'll try to, it's, I'll, I'll say it, I think simply, but it, it's more complex than that. But you have to build on the foundation from dental school. Um, you have to, um, build your clinical knowledge. You know, dentistry is really, quite honestly, hard. You know, just take diagnosis of, you know, do one tooth. Diagnose that tooth correctly and then what to do. Tie that tooth to the other teeth in the arch. 
tie that arch to the rest of the mouth. Tie that arch to the, uh, you know, to the patient and their medical history. Add in whether or not and what their insurance is like. It's difficult. And the idea of increasing uh, your knowledge in clinical dentistry, there is no place better than in postgraduate journal dentistry because you see cases over and over and over again. And your dental IQ, for want of a better word, will grow exponentially, exponentially from there. And without that, you know, sometimes you're doing without knowing. And that's, that's you know, when, when we have someone that decides to do something but doesn't know how to do it, we, we really have a word for them and we call them dangerous. And that's not the way to be because as you grow your clinical knowledge, as you build on the foundation that you had in dental school, you get extra bonuses from that. First of all, you become a better communicator. You can be the, you know, in, in theory, you can become the worst dentist in the world, but if you're a great communicator, you're going to have a line around the block. But become a great communicator and know what you're talking about. You will be able to talk to your patients about their the treatment that they need, why they need it, you'll have a better conversation and better relationship with your staff, with your um, specialist that you work with. Um, and remember, by the way, and, and here is a, as we are both general dentists, that the captain of the ship is the general dentist. And that when we refer cases to a specialist, um, there are patients. And so we have to know, they have to know general dentistry. Many do, many don't. But, you know, it's a great thing that had they done a GPR before they became a specialist, in many cases, as I add in, they would be perhaps even a better um, specialist. But um, working with the specialist, you, ha you have to know your stuff. And lastly, growing your knowledge, becoming a better critical thinker. You get the extra bonus also of, I'm going to tell you, being better technically. Because the more you know, the better your hands or the more your hands can do. There is, I do not believe that your hands teach your head. Your head teaches your hands. And that's the road to success that you can have in postgraduate general dentistry that I worry about when it's not about that growth, but it could be about what your production is for that day. Because ultimately, um, GPR is about and and uh, AGD is about learning. And really great advice. Yeah, really great advice for us. You know, as uh, many of our listeners may not know, you know, the the GPR residency program that you're a director of is a highly successful, long-standing, uh, well-respected uh, uh, institution in in New Jersey, if not and if not the nation. So you have some really good stuff. And you made some other good points there, Russ. You know, you talked about communication. You know, a lot of people, especially when they get out of school, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking clinical. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do the root canal? But as you said, communication is so important. And that's a skill that oftentimes has to be learned also and practiced. And if you're coming out of school and you've got 20 patients for the day, it's hard to practice that communication skill. But it's something that you can develop in a program program like you yeah. have. That's good stuff. You know, you're, you're, you're so right. And it's, it's not uncommon in dental school or in any um postgrad general dentistry that there are a certain number of no-shows and quite honestly the no-show rate differs per resident 
it's not that one resident got all the greatest patients who show up every time and the other resident got the worst patients and no one ever shows up. It is really about their communication skills that is the biggest determinant of whether or not they have a high or low no-show rate. And the ultimate, I guess, proof of the communication skills tends to be when their patient refers their friends and relatives to them. That is really showing that that resident has um, been for their patient pool, something that they call, you know, that's my dentist. And when they, when they say, you know what, here, that, that's my dentist, then you know you, you cross the line and they think of you as something that they're part of their family. And that's what you want to do ultimately. And that's part of the communication skill because private practice, they are all, as you, as you know, your patients become part of your family. I, I, it's a weird kind of thing, but uh, you know what? That's what you think. They're special to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, some of the DSOs, they provide training and hats off to them. I mean, some of the larger uh, DSOs provide tracks and things like that where you can learn. But personally, um, you know, I really believe that it's sustained learning in, in the way the GPR uh, presents it is, is a much way, better way to go. So, Russ, let me ask you this. So, for the folks out there that are interested in doing a GPR, you've been, you know, you've been the director of a successful program for so many years at, in more than one institution. Um, when you, what are you looking for when you look for these candidates? What do you say to the D3 student that's coming out and and is applying to a GPR? You know, what are you looking for to select them as a candidate? So, I am looking for someone that they would want to be a resident next to. I believe that they that the residents learn as much as as much from each other as they learn from the attending staff. So I need someone who wants to get their hands dirty, who's smart, who's willing to stretch their boundaries, who is a good communicator on the interview. Do I care whether or not they're first in the class? No, quite honestly. And my story is no different than many other program directors. I've had first in the class. I've had last in the class. And I am looking for that person who will be the right fit for Newark Beth, just like any other program director is looking for the right fit to, for their program. And the candidate on the other side should also be looking for the right fit in a program for them. Because Newark Beth may be a great program, but not the right fit for someone else. And that's where for a D3, it becomes a little trickier. Because if they were applying to a specialty program, they're just hoping to get in somewhere. But when it comes to postgraduate general dentistry, they would want to go to the program, which is the right fit for them. Now, that's that's the... For them, that's where the pressure is for them. And that's where they have to do a little homework. That's where they have to do their homework. And if you allow me, I'll talk a little bit about that. You know, what they what they need to look for because there is not a whole lot of source information on it. And, yeah, please do, Russ. I think that's fantastic information. So please do. So understand there there is no magic book. There is the internet has got limited value, whether or not, you know, as they say, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. So you have to do a little work. 
and you have to realize what the difference, not the differences, but what different possibilities are out there. When, when someone chooses a program, maybe, maybe not the most important criteria is location. You know, if you want to stay home, that's fine. And then you're in a, fir- in a, in a certain geographic area. But location is not necessarily where you live. You can decide whether you want metropolitan when you, or you want, um, you know, you want to, you know, don't want to have nothing to do with the city life. And instead you'd have, you know, want a more, you know, suburban or um, a more rural area. That's location as well. Maybe you want a hospital-based program. Maybe you want um, a community health center type of program. But that's like where you got to think because that's like, that's the easiest part. That really is the easiest part. But then after that, you have to decide what type of experience, what type of experiences would you like to have? And there's just so many. You have to kind of make a list. Do you want to go to a program? Let's take a GPR. You could go to programs where you spend a lot of your time in the emergency room and you suit your lips, you do fractures, jaws, you see trauma, and then you can also do a hospital-based GPR and you're not doing anything like that. It's a very sedate, easy call. So you decide which one you want to do. And in AEGD, the hospital component is removed from that. But in the end, don't think as an AEGD that uh, you do dentistry and in a GPR, you spend all your time doing fractured jaws. It's not true. There are many um, GPR programs that are not heavy on call. Are you going to go to a program where there's a lot of different attendings? Maybe there's only a few. What type of didactic training is there? What type of um, equipment do they have? What's the OR like? There are so many different things that um, they're, they're looking for. You know, what type of specialty training is there? You know, how, how are you taught endodontically? What, what are your experiences in, you know, pediatric dentistry? So I, the best way I'll say, because there's no way of, there's no magic book, you have to think about location and then you have to email the program director. And you set up your questions as a D3 or even earlier and ask that program director not how many endos do you do, not how many implants you do. You ask that program director, tell me, what is the experience like in endodontics? What is the experience like in implants? Because it's not all about the number. You can do a molar endo every day with very little support, no didactic training, and just do it wrong over and over, get into trouble and call it a day. So you need the, it's about the experience. Programs, you know, a common question is, so how many implants you do? That is not really the greatest question. It should be, what is your experience in implants? If you hope to have implant experience, I don't personally think there's a great difference between five and 10. Still not going to be the greatest expert in the world, but you need to build a foundation so that you will be a successful, great dentist that you're building on. And that I think is the best thing when you, when you email the program directors. And then after that, I guess, figure out the ones which are the best fit for you and visit the two or three 
because that'll really tell you what any program is about. So what I'm getting out of that is is absolutely where you want to be and then to really think and make a list of all the things that are important to you, the things that you want to learn and not what your friends thinks are important or not what others might think is important, but what's personally important to you. And then and then ask those questions of the director. Don't don't just be interviewed then, right? Don't go for your interview and be interviewed. You want to oh. do the interview as well, right? You know, when you walk into that interview and you should know about that program when you walk into that interview. No different than any of, um, you know, my business major friends, uh, my wife who, who work in um, the C-level of companies. When she went to an interview, she knew everything about that company, everything. So when you go in there and you know things about that program, you can talk about or you can even answer that question. So why do you want to come here? Which is, by the way, going to probably be a question at every single program. You can say, I want to come here because, well, I had a chance to visit and I saw that, you know, the residents here do endo, you know, uh, every Thursday uh, with an ended honest. And I, I, in fact, saw them work on a Thursday and I want to go to a program like this where I get not only didactic pro, uh, training, but clinical training in endo as well. That's why I want to come to a program like this. And then, you know what? You are you are interviewing for a job. It's you come across so much better than just kind of feel out the program. They don't; those interviews do not go well. Yeah, and the interview is important, right? I mean, if you're invited for an interview and you want to go there, you better go to the interview, right? Well, yes, yes. Uh, the interview for I, and I can stereotype that um, the interview is the most important part of getting into any program because that is when um, the um, people around the table or just maybe one is going to see whether or not you are the right fit for that program. And, I, and I'll, I'll give one more hint. Um, the time to decide is whether or not you want to go to that program is not on interview day. Interview day is, you know, you're going to, you may be rushed in, rushed out, you talk to the residents and, and it's not a time to think about it. You have to think about it beforehand, whether or not that is the program for you. And then when you walk in that day, you want that program. In the end, it doesn't matter whether it's a match or non-match program. Because if the number one program on your mental match list is a non-match program, well, it doesn't matter. They make you the offer, you're saying yes. So that's what you need to do. So be prepared and in fact, It'll make you interview better. You will get the program of your choice because really of your preparation. And that starts now. Well, we're, we're, in, we're in February, March um, of, you know, February, March of your D3 year. Unfortunately, this is the time you got to do it. You got to do it now. Yeah, and I've had a little experience of that over the years of doing some interviews and, uh, and, and meeting some of the candidates for these kind of things. And, you know, you can really tell uh, and I know we always kept, you know, thought of it very highly uh, of the folks that wanted to be there. You could see if they wanted to be there. You could see that they were eager. You could see how they interacted with the interviewers and the and the residents that were there. And they, you know, there were some that were just fantastic on paper, but they came and they were nonchalant and they were sort of, you know, I don't want to say dismissive, but just weren't weren't up to par that day. And uh, and they didn't get the spots. And they didn't get the spots. The programs that. Uh 
there there are many great programs out there many some of them by the way hidden gems so when you when you do your research you know some are attracted you know you know to certain programs but there's many hidden gems out there and sometimes the way that it's chosen is based on location but not whether or not that program is a great program or not and i had talked earlier about the idea of building on the foundation of dental school and uh, making you a better critical thinker and then making as a result of that you're a better communicator and you have better technical skill now that's how i would do it and, and because that's the story of me because that that made you know i quite honestly just doing something over and over again it, 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 you got to know what you're doing and then you're better so, but for others, maybe the choice is I want to go to a program that does this, this, and this, 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 and this, and learns, you learn the other way around, which I, I said I didn't love, but those options are out there too. Um, so, you know, choose wisely, uh, choose wisely, because that's what I mean by you have to pick the right fit for you. Yeah, I think that becomes equally important because a lot of folks don't know, but you know, when you go to your residency, you create lifelong relationships, not only with your fellow residents, but with the faculty and the attendings that are there. And, uh, you know, those are the things that you want to foster. I know at your, I know at your program, Russ, uh, you've got some fantastic uh, attendings that are there. And, and these students really count on them over the years after they get out. So it's not just a one and done. It's a, no, it's a long relationship. It, I would say that um, my story is no different than many others at other programs, my program, you really become part of the family for life. Dental school was um, great. And um, I, I, looking back, I was very well trained. When I was in it, I, I may not have said the same thing, but only in reflection can I say thank you. Um, you, you, you did a great job. But as I said before, my life changed at uh, uh, going to a residency and there is um, that family relationship is less, quite honestly, for a professional lifetime. Uh, just last week, I, I had a call, a resident from a few few years ago on some matter. And, um, you know, it's like we, um, you know, just saw each other two days ago, not, you know, four years ago. And uh, the first thing uh, that he said was, you know what, uh, uh, thank you so much. Um, I learned more in that one year at Newark Beth than I did in four years of dental school. And uh, when another resident calls and whether it's me or someone else and they have a problem case, they're gonna you know, probably call to, uh, to someone on, uh, on staff. So it, it really is uh, something that is a lifetime. And I, it, it's again, you're not gonna be able to reproduce that um, with the first job right into you know, right from school, I don't think that relationship will be forever. I, I, I really don't. Let's back up a minute. Uh, maybe a couple of things that might be obvious. Business attire for the uh, for the interview. I mean, first impressions are everything. So yes. What what are you looking for? Yeah. Well, I, I can talk about you know, um, I am expecting someone to be dressed in a in a a jacket and tie. I, you know, I'll say it then, and and the you know, so you are dressed. It's not business casual. It, it would be professional dress, professional dress. And um, I I would say you can never go wrong with that. Around the table, maybe generationally, someone very different than 
someone who is uh, 27 years old. So you are kind of there to, to speak to them. And while someone else may be more casual, and that may not be the common way that they dress, you can never, to me, go wrong that way. And that's who's around the table. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And just sticking with the interview, um, just be yourself, I'm guessing. That's what you're looking for, right? You're not looking for anybody that's pressing or trying to make an impression necessarily. True. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you another hint. The idea is to speak from the heart. That, that's the idea. So, you know, you can not to, you know, you, you can be like a politician who gets a question and then answers it kind of a different way um, so that they can get across what they want to say. And you can anticipate many of the questions, but in the end, try to relate it to you. Try to make it again from the heart on why you want to be there, what you want to do, what you're looking forward to in 10 years, because any answer, regardless of, of based in, um, you know, based on what they're listening for or what they're, should I say it, based on what you think they want the answer to be. That's not how you answer. You answer from yourself and from your heart, and it doesn't matter, you know, whether or not they're looking for that answer or not. Because then you come up as genuine, you come as, as interested, it, it, it's just plus, plus, plus. So that's my hint. Talk from the heart, you'll get in. Great advice because, you know, someone like you who's been doing this for 20 plus or more years and has seen scores and scores and scores of interviews, no one's fooling you, Russ. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, really. you know, they, they do say, you know, with program directors, yeah, after you pick your class, they, they do ask, so how is your class? And literally, you just pick them. But the program director's answer is always, you know what, I'll tell you next May after I've worked <laughs> them for nine months. But uh, you can tell a lot. And, and, you know, over the years, I can only say that, you know, I, I, I they, you know, like you talked about patients or your family members. Um, I am a member of the Northbeth family and the, and the residents are my family and, uh, you know, each one of them are special. And that yeah. started with, you know, the, the interview, you know, if I, yeah. I, I want to go on a little bit of a tangent and, and uh, when we talk about interviews and that's when you want to get an interview for a job. And how it really matters that perhaps you had done postgrad general dentistry because you're going to get the question and, and this is going to be the question. So what can you add to this practice? Now, it's a very different question and answer when you're talking about going to, you know, GPR, AGD. It's like, why do you want to come here? But when in private practice world, they're asking, so what can you add to this practice? And if the answer is, well, I'm a good team player, um, I'm not quite sure that that's going to get you the job. But instead, if you can say, you know what, I know that you refer out your surgery and you know what, if I can see the tooth, I can remove it. You don't have to refer those out. You know what, I've had the opportunity to do little kids on an outpatient basis, even the, the, the kids that are screaming, but I've gone to the OR too. But I know that you've built your practice based on your know, little kids and, and then getting the family as well to um, like this office because how um, uh, you may treat talking to the senior doc, kids. And I have that same skill as well. You know what? I had the opportunity to do um, rotary endo. 
And I've been able to do multiples that I had learned in dental school. And in fact, by the way, here's a portfolio of my work that I can show you of what I've done. At the end of this, that senior doc who wants someone to treat their patients as they do will say, you can have the job. And you'll be able to answer that question about what can you add to this practice having done post-grad general dentistry? That's how you can answer the question. Not I'm a good team player. You'll get the job that you want, not the job that you have to settle for. Fantastic advice for us. I mean, that is really fantastic advice uh, for all our listeners out there. So um, what's a typical day like at the Beth? If you're a resident, I mean, give me the typical day. And I know there's no such thing as typical, but, you know, try to boil it down for me. Well, I'm glad you 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 said that for the resident and not for me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it depends on, you know, every program. And, you know, their day starts early, by the way. And, and uh, it's not physician early. They start earlier, you know, than we do. But, uh, you know, it's not uncommon that uh, their life is going to start with a lecture. They're going to go to clinical time. And, uh, you know, their clinical time is, is there. They have, quite honestly, at North Beth, it's uh, 745 to 845 for a lecture. Then it's 845 to 1230-ish for clinical time. By the way, the mornings tend to all be specialists, but every program is a little different on that. So that means like on Monday, you may be doing ortho and Tuesday, uh, perio and, you know, Thursday and uh, Wednesday, perio, all different things. You'll have to do usually the morning, you know how to schedule your case because that's who the specialist is on the floor. But the mornings, that's the mornings. And then in the afternoons, lecture again. You know, your, your afternoon ended around 1230 to 1245. And then 1 o'clock. Yes, you, you're, it's a lunch and learn. At 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock, you're having lecture again. And 2 to 530, 545 is clinical time. And that doesn't include, you know, it, it does not include the time that you may be in the OR. Thursdays tend to be OR time, general dentistry type of OR. It's no different than any other program. Um, and of course, you know, as a GPR, you do some rotations that would be emergency medicine, internal medicine, and uh, um, uh, internal medicine, emergency medicine, and anesthesia. And by the way, every program is a little bit different on that. The pro rotations, how long they are in particular in a GPR, they can all be different. They can all be different in length. So that's something that separates different programs. AEGDs don't have that. But you know what? I, I, I think that uh, for some, the AEGD is the right choice. But I will also say that if you don't shy, I, I see more and more a little bit of some will shy away from the GPR because they're afraid of, quote, being on call. And I talked about that earlier. Don't let that scare you. But in the end, it, the, the world is, you know, an intra-professional world, especially now. Um, I know dental schools are moving more and more into professional, intra-professional education, that oral health is part of total health. So what better way to become part of total health than in a hospital-based program? You can also do it in many cases in FQHC, which may have all that as well, but that's the future of the world here. And uh, so that also I think is important. You know, their, yeah, their life, you know, their, their life is, you know, their life. And uh, I'll, I'll say is that they seem to have a good time, too. So it, it, it's not all work. They must they have, it looks like they have some play time, too. 
it's a lot of work, but you got to take advantage of that time. You've got to take advantage of that time for sure. You know, Russ, I was going to ask you the last thing because we're running short on time. I was actually going to ask you to comp compare and contrast the GPR with the AEGD, but I really think you, I really think you covered that. I think, I think the main, the main differences would be how obviously hospital based, right? Yes. Some on call, some integration with medicine. But, oh, uh, I imagine you can have that with the AEGD as well. You know, depending on where they're, where they're located. That, yeah. You know, they're not standalone. They would have to be, they could be integrated into a health center that has medicine in, in, in it as well. So how does the D3 decide then what's best for them? I mean, if when you, you know, we're backing up, we talked about, well, you got to make a list and what's best for you. How would you decide between the two, which one would be the better fit for you in your opinion? I think the one in the end, when they make their list, they have to have things that they must have and things that are deal breakers. You're not going to find the perfect program. For me, you know, I um, AGDs were not around. They tend to be more school-based. But look at and they're they're family health center ones too. They're community-based as well. Um, but you, there. In the end, I would go with um, the GPR offers certain things that the AG does doesn't, and um, find the right fit. And there are deal breakers. You may not want to go to a program where it's block time, for example, where you prep the crown and someone else delivers it. You want comprehensive care. That could be, that typically is a deal breaker. You would want to go to a program perhaps that has a lot of attendings, or maybe you just want a few. These are different things. It's it's what's personal. And, and I can only talk personally that the GPR was the, the right program uh, for me, um, but I'll leave that to others because I think that there are great programs all around both in AEGD and GPR and I, and I I would encourage someone to do the right fit for them. Yeah, I'm really glad you circled back to that because it really is a personal decision. It's not what you you know, it's not what your friends are doing, it's not what your friends think is good or someone told you this that or the other. It's actually what what's really the best for you. I mean, that's that's important important advice. Russ, we're out of time. Um I I really wish I got to spend some more time with you here couple of closing things. I know you're going to Adia next week. Good luck with that. You're doing Thanks. some uh, you're doing some uh, work at the National Conference down in New Orleans. I know you do a fantastic job, so good luck with that. Um, if someone had some additional questions, if they wanted to reach out to you, how can someone get a hold of you, Russ? So the easiest way by email, if you want to give that or you have it, uh, it's easy. Um, my name is, uh, first name is Russ, R-U-S-S. My last name is Bergman. B as in boy, E-R-G, M as in money, A, N as in Nancy. So it's essentially Russ.Bergman. And now we go to the at part, and it's uh, five letters, R, W, J, B as in boy, H as in Harry.org. Because I work for um, RWJ, Barnabas Health, one of the largest healthcare networks in uh, New Jersey. And uh, that's the easiest way, uh, Russ.Bergman at RWJBH.org. Excellent. And Russ, thanks again. Can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing some really fantastic and informative information for, for a lot of our members. I'd also like to thank our producer, Kristen Gober. Uh, and if you like what you heard, please like and subscribe to our channel. You can always find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and of course, the AGD app. Any questions, comments, concerns, uh, please email us at news at And we'll see you next time.